Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. All right, welcome to another How We Solve podcast. Today we have Chris Hood, a digital strategist and podcaster and author with over 35 years of experience in business development. He's, he currently works at Google as head of business innovation and strategy, and he's the host of that digital show, a weekly podcast for Google Cloud. And we're going to geek out with him on moving your workloads and services to the cloud. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Maybe you want to fill in a little bit more about you and what you do, a little background that I left out. You covered the basics. I currently work for Google Cloud. I am in charge of business innovation and strategy and spend a lot of my time figuring out how businesses need to operate in the cloud or how to solve complex problems in the cloud. And that could range from anything from API strategies to just the financial elements of operating in the cloud. So it's a wide range. And as you also said, I host a podcast at Google called That Digital Show, where we spend a lot of time talking about very relevant topics in terms of how businesses look at digital transformation or innovation or scale of various services. Yeah, that's where I spend a lot of my time and energy. Happy to be here and talk about it. So in terms of moving to the cloud, I think a lot of more like most SaaS businesses already operate in the clouds. They use you guys or Amazon or any other of the cloud providers. But I think the interesting thing is the API usage, using certain APIs that do things for you that, you know, you could kind of build yourself or not use an existing service. And in one of our businesses, which is AppCoach, which is a, it's a platform for coaches, we're currently having this decision with my CTO, like, do we build it ourselves or do we use an existing service that's out there? In, in our case, it's the calendar functionality. And my thought process is like, okay, it's cool. It's going to save us a lot of time. We're going to have this. It's going to be a little a bit of a higher cost, but it's fine, but we're moving faster. My concern is kind of using something like this, we will never get off it because it would be so disruptive if we, you know, ever want to change that having like thousands of people's calendars running through the system, you know, like what we want to change that. So I'm curious to hear, hear your thoughts on, on this. You covered a couple of things in there. I think you're right. As SaaS platforms are native in the cloud, we typically call them digital natives because they were built and formed and designed to live in the cloud. But yet even digital natives struggle from time to time with just that. Do we build something or do we buy something? Do we get something off the shelf or do we build it from scratch? And when we think about elements like technical debt, where whether you buy it or build it, you're going to encounter technical debt. You mentioned, hey, if we build this or buy it one way or the other, we're going to be stuck with this. Everyone deals with that. They're always putting something in place and then we'll call it stuck with it. But it, it depends upon how you approach that architecture and how you think about it and what the cloud 
and definitely APIs allow you to do is to really be able to be more nimble when you do want to make a change. So I want to expand to a new region. The cloud, in theory, is already in those regions, so you can easily ramp up and expand. If you have the right API structure in place, then in theory, you can plug and play different technologies without disrupting your primary application or experience that users are looking at. So just because you decide to either build it or buy it, the key here is to understand that you are making the right decisions so that whatever direction you go, you're not stuck into some type of technical debt that you can't maneuver out of. It's true. You're kind of always, quote unquote, stuck with whatever you build, if you build yourself or if you use some, something off the shelf. And my last business was a competitor to some degree of, of Google Cloud. It was a content delivery network called MaxCDN. And we made the decision of going with some TCP IP acceleration thingy that we used. And it gave us a real edge uh, in terms of competing with our competition. And then one of the big players, not you guys, somebody else bought it and basically did not give us any updates anymore, even though, you know, basically it can't sue us. Have, have fun, which was kind of rude. So it's, it's always be, being very wise in terms of what you choose. Our MO afterwards was always to just use open source related things because it's less likely that something like this would happen. But yeah, go, going back to the main topic. You help people to move to the cloud and could you give us your playbook? What's the best way of picking the right solutions and get, getting your, your stack into the cloud? This gets into some of these areas where it doesn't necessarily matter if you're a small business or a large business. That move to the cloud can be very challenging for a lot of organizations, even digital natives who are in the mindset of, well, cloud first. For example, internally within your business or your company, your organization, you have to have the right culture. You have to have the right mindset in place to understand what you're going to be doing. And a great example of this comes around security. If you were to ask a lot of people, why are you not moving to cloud? Or what is one of your biggest fears for moving to the cloud? Probably the number one answer is going to be security. It's not safe. It's not as secure as if we were to do it ourselves inside of our own data centers and manage it the way we want to manage it. And quite honestly, that is completely and totally false. <laughs> but that's a mindset. And so shifting that culture towards we are moving to digital we are moving to the cloud has to be one of your main priorities. Because if you got a whole bunch of people within your organization who are fearful of doing it, then they're going to set up those roadblocks. They're going to make it very challenging. They're going to complain, whatever you want. And it's going to be a struggle to do what's best for the company. So that's one example. The majority of people that I'm interacting with are more the digital natives or the you know, so for us, we'd never have the idea of, okay, it's safer if I run my own server because working like updates and la la, it's so much headache. It's much better to give this to somebody who has a large team who's really just focusing on keeping this thing secure. 
Yeah. So another area is just in understanding the difference between what a project is and what a product or program is. And let me try to break that down a little bit. A lot of organizations, when they want to execute something, they tend to set it up like a project. This is a one-time deal. Oh, we're going to move to the cloud. Let's move to the cloud and here's our project plan and here's what it's going to take and budget, et cetera. And they set it up and then they put all this effort in to have a project around that movement or around digital transformation. Anytime you build a project for it, you're also not in the right mindset. So we tend to try to look at this as a program. And if you think about it from within your own organization or your own company, you have some very key elements as part of your company. For example, you typically have an HR department. You probably have a marketing department. You definitely have an IT department. You might have some sales department. A cloud organization has individuals who are dedicated to cloud transformation full-time. It's not a project. It's not a one-time thing and we're done. This is an ongoing exercise that has to be continually managed like a program. So you can fill in the blank here. It could be a digital transformation program. It can be an innovation program. It can be a cloud program. Whatever you choose it to be, it has to be something that's ongoing and sustainable. Because the moment you start to think, well, we're just doing this one time, then you're not making that maturity leap from, say, a business to a digital native. When you run your own infrastructure, I think it's, it's even way more complex and more costly because you need to have sysadmins, et cetera, like all these things on staff that are maintaining things. Well, I guess there's also cases where it makes more sense from a cost level to run it on your own infrastructure, really depending on what you're, do you have like a rule of thumb, like where it makes sense to put in Google Cloud or just rent some servers and run it yourself? That's actually a third step for us, <laughs> which is great. And it, it's in that financial understanding. And once again, when you're looking at this as a project-based mentality or even a product, like, oh, we've got this one product, we need to manage a couple of servers, we're just going to pay for that. You're not looking at the larger picture. And there's this new process that is starting to become very popular called FinOps. FinOps financial operations is very closely aligned to like DevOps. But what it really represents is understanding the financial impact and decisions that have to be made within an organization to maintain your transformation to the cloud or to maintain your digital elements that you're keeping. And again, think about the ups and downs of any type of transaction or any type of network traffic that you might sustain. You're going to need more cloud power, computing power, technology in place to support that bandwidth. Whereas we'll say in the middle of March, that might dramatically decrease. So. How do you understand the financial impact to the organization when you have those ebbs and flows of bandwidth that are coming and going throughout the year? This FinOps practice 
is designed to help you to make financial decisions and to account for the cost of it as it's happening in real time. Which again, if I'm sitting here thinking, well, I've just got these servers and uh, it's easier for me just to pay for them. Not necessarily, not if it's going to cost you more to maintain those servers during a down peak and they're just sitting there not doing anything. On the cloud, you can adjust for that and you don't have to pay for it when it's not being used and then ramp up the cost when you are using it. So it's a huge area for businesses. And this is not just for new businesses or businesses that are deciding to move to the cloud. Although it's great if you can start doing that from the beginning, we're seeing this actively in those digital natives who are SaaS and cloud first, and they're still trying to wrap their minds around the financial impact for just living in the cloud. So FinOps is one way that we can solve that. Can you rec recommend any FinOps tools or calculators where you can just type in traffic numbers, bandwidth numbers with different regions? I'm not aware of any calculators per se, but I know there are some tools out there that will help you better understand this. We also have a couple of eBooks that we've re recently published on the topic. So you can just do something like a, a Google search for FinOps, Google Cloud, and you're going to find at least two very well-written eBooks that cover the topic and what it takes to understand this and implement it within your organization. After we sold MaxCDN um, in 2016, so I've not been in, in your world since, since then. But back then, a lot of our customers were using multi-CDN solutions to load balance, you know, for removing single point of failure and for performance increase and also for cost management. Are you aware of uh, any tools that help customers to load balance traffic between different providers? Oh, yeah, yeah, there's multitudes out there and most of them come default with whatever cloud platform you're on. So Google Cloud has lots of load balancing and analytical applications so that you can see where your traffic is at any one time and where it's going. And But Amazon and Microsoft all have it. That's a staple pretty much of most cloud technology tools. Blended between Google. So you natively have it now inside of Google Cloud so you can kind of shift up. Yeah, we, we are fully supportive of the notion of multi-cloud. So this is another mindset issue where we talked about security before. And a lot of times I'll have somebody come to me and say, we're this cloud provider exclusively. We're this cloud provider. And my first instinct is you're probably thinking about it wrong. You have to start looking at this as a multi-cloud environment. Any digital native that is out there is definitely looking at how do they make the most impact with their products and services across multiple cloud environments. And why would you do that? Back to what we talked about at the beginning. If I want to scale, sometimes it's easier to scale on one cloud provider over another cloud provider into a region that you want to get to. So for the sake of the conversation, I want to scale to Ottawa, Canada. And maybe there's only one cloud provider in Ottawa. If you're not on that cloud, then it's going to be hard to scale to that area. Whereas if you're on both clouds or triple clouds or all of the clouds, you can basically expand to any region that they all cover. And we all communicate 
very easily with each other through other technologies like APIs and integration. Like this is not a proprietary type of technology back 20 years ago, where if you decided to go with one technology, you were literally stuck with that technology. That's not how things operate today. And so the benefit of going multi-cloud is to increase your security, increase your scalability, increase your opportunity to deliver elements that your customers are looking for. If a customer wants some type of service, we'll call it, you know, they want a smarter prediction and you want some AI and ML in it. Google has the top of the line artificial intelligence. And if you're on another cloud provider who may have, we'll call it a subpar AI, then you're not maximizing that opportunity for your customers. I think a lot of times businesses are looking at just, I'm going to pick one cloud and stick with it. That's no different than picking any one technology and sticking with it. That's not what your customers are looking for. And that's where you have to start. Another random question. I don't know if you're involved with this, but Google Cloud, I think, has a marketplace where you can offer your application. If it's like an um, on-prem application. And I know somebody who's making really good money from, from this, like as a sales channel. Could you maybe? Yeah. yeah, there's lots of different ways that we look at marketplaces and there's definitely a Google marketplace and there's ways that you can build code and deploy that code. You can build that code and deploy that code internally, externally. You can sell that code. Yeah, there's any number of opportunities there. No different than if you were to say, build a mobile app and live in the Google Play Store. Also, through things like APIs, we have mechanisms by which you can build and then monetize APIs. So just think that all you're doing is building new products and services, and you have these APIs that you're using internally to connect different areas of your business together. And you could then begin to expose those APIs out to third parties who would purchase them and pay you, say, a monthly or a transactional type of uh, fee. And now you're generating money that way. We have businesses that are out there generating $50 million a year just by selling APIs, nothing else. They're not even building anything except for the APIs, right? So there's massive amounts of opportunity out there in just what we call digital marketplaces, and building ecosystems. And this is, again, one of the benefits of living in the cloud is that it opens up new opportunities to connect with other businesses, even connect with competitors. Like we just talked about multi-cloud. We engage with other cloud providers on a daily basis. Why? Because we know it helps our customers. And when you have that mindset, then you could put anything you want out there in a marketplace and sell it because that's what people are looking for. Yeah, I think it's really fascinating to, when you build a product, like kind of thinking about a side product that you build or exposing your API and letting others use it and making money with this. That's, that's actually really fascinating. I'll, I'll give you a, a couple of stories. So there was a retailer, a convenience store that decided that they wanted to do more with photo prints. So imagine, again, you go into these convenience stores and you've got a USB drive and you give it to them and they print out photos for you and you can 
blow them up and frame them and whatever. So they decided that they were going to create a series of APIs specifically around photo printing. And they were going to make those APIs available to third parties. So now in theory, I can log into Facebook, got all of my photos into Facebook, and I can print to my local convenience store directly from Facebook a photo that I wanted to have printed. And so what happened was people would start to go into the store to pick up the photo prints. And while they were there, they were picking up tissue and a gallon of milk and some bread. And, oh, I need a card. And, and the more people that came, the more business they were actually able to generate. So they expanded that. And they started to do more than just photo prints. They did loyalties and other types of activities directly in the store, distributed that out to different services. And by exposing that API in the way that they did, they were able to connect with over 120 different applications that embedded that API for photo printing and loyalty rewards and everything else into the various apps to the point like I could log into a PlayStation and take screenshots from a video game and then have those sent over to my local convenience store to print out in full size. I don't know how many people did that, but it gives you that insight as to how powerful that becomes when you can expose it in a way and open it up so that multitudes of other technologies and applications and businesses can use it. And what's it ultimately doing? Generating you more business. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I love the recycling effect of this. Do you have any other examples from this? Maybe just not in API into brick and mortar, but another application that has been taken out parts of their, maybe even taken out parts of their app and then um, this becoming their main business. Kind of like you build something. I guarantee you know some. Anybody who's listening probably knows some if they sit and think and listen and, you know, about this. So think about, for example, anytime you go to uh, Starbucks, loyalty rewards, and you buy a drink and you order that online, right? Things like pay or authenticate with Facebook. Even this episode that we're in right now, live streaming can connect to LinkedIn and Facebook and anything else to give you a broader streaming capabilities across multiple platforms, right? you get to authenticate that and say, yes, I want to stream it off to YouTube or I'm on LinkedIn. Everything we do right now is connected in some way. Smart cars, smartphones, and they're only going to get smarter. So if any of you have some sort of using your phone to start your car and turn on the heater before you get there, there's applications that are allowing you to do that. The weather right now is primarily all data that's living out there somewhere in the cloud. And if you use a smart device and you say, okay, I'm not going to say it because I got Google devices back here. What's the weather today? It's going out and capturing that data and sharing it. And all of that behind the scenes is being monetized in some way. And that is the basics of what users, consumers like us want. And so next time you go out shopping, think about every transaction you do. And behind the scenes somewhere is a technology that's focused just on that transaction. It's, it's crazy. Also, think thinking about crypto and Web3, 
that if, you know, if everything is built on, say, Ethereum, everything is using the same API. So kind of like connecting this stuff becomes even, even easier because they're kind of written in the same language. So it's going to get even more connected. Yeah. Uh, even research today, we look at things like the COVID-19 vaccine and the amount of data that lives behind that and the amount of research, or if we look for things like the cure for cancer or the search for extraterrestrial life, all of this is being powered by some type of parallel process and API that's living in the background that is sharing data across multiple systems and technologies, just fueling the way that we engage and look at the world in a broad sense. Going back to our original topic, I'm moving stuff into the cloud. Somebody with an old school mindset says, hey, I want to control my data. When, when you have somebody else take care of this or just managing it yourself. Data comes in a couple of different pieces here. Data is definitely part of your business and you have data. And it could be something like inventory and inventory control and customer data, right? And you want to make sure that that data is protected and there's a security element behind it. We also start getting into big data. And the more businesses grow, the more data that's out there and the more we want to look at it and analyze it and understand it, the more we're seeing machine learning be associated with data so that we can better process it. All that data is also being distributed through APIs. An API is nothing more than an interface that is connecting applications together and sharing data. That's what it's doing. And as data gets larger and APIs become more complex, the machine learning is increasing. It's creating these really awesome consumer experiences and insights on what consumers are looking for and insights on how to help grow our business because we can better understand the data today and we can better visualize the data today. But the other side of data, when we think about cloud transformation or any type of transformation, is looking at the data and acting upon the data, actually looking and understanding this data says we should do ABC. And what a lot of organizations struggle with is they have some type of bias built into their decision-making. For example, I want to add a new feature to a product, or I think we should offer this new service. And they just believe it, but they're not actually looking at the data to determine if the data is saying, this is what your customers are looking for. This is what your customers are asking for. So we should build this because it's the data says we should. When you ignore the data and you just go off and do the things that you think that you want to do because you think that they're the right things to do, you potentially are going to lose customers. And so data is a very important element for your transformation or your journey or just building your business. Yeah, I think in the early days, when you start out with the business, I think it's okay to use your gut feeling, especially when you have like an, you know, for example, with UpCoach, Todd, my business partner, he's a coach for over 25 years and he, he really knows the space well. So we can kind of go off his gut feel what the customer needs. But once you have a few hundred or a few thousand customers, you can definitely rely on more data points. And I think there's a time for this once you have some critical mass that you can actually collect enough data, that data becomes relevant. Yeah. I'll give you one quick story before we start to wrap up here. 
And that was, I was working with a CEO who was struggling because they had a, a digital online retail e-commerce store and they were noticing that a lot of their products were being left in the cart, cart abandonment. And the CEO's gut feeling was that the checkout process was confusing. And I asked, do you know that? Is that something we can validate? And the CEO said, no, can't validate that. Let's ask. Let's actually find out. And so we set up a survey. We had a good thousand people respond to that survey. We had multiple choice. And some of the choices were checkout process was too confusing. The cost of the product was too expensive. I didn't find what I was looking for. And we got the results back and about 80% clearly stated that the cost of the product was too expensive and that's why they abandoned the cart. I presented the findings to the CEO and the CEO said, I don't believe it. I think it's still confusing. We have to change the checkout process. So there's the flip side. Even if your gut feeling is being contradicted by the data, you have to still react to it. If you're just going to ignore it, you're still going to have those abandoned carts. Yeah, I can relate. Some Sometimes I have a hunch and I still want to do it then. May not listen to the data, but my head of product is always making sure we actually follow the data. Any books, tools, or courses, or anything you can recommend to our listeners? There's a ton of stuff out there. I tell people all the time, if you want to learn something, just type it into YouTube and you're going to be able to find videos on it and learn how to solve stuff. But also... I invite everyone to tune into my podcast, That Digital Show. You can find it at thatdigitalshow.com and we cover all of these topics and more. You can find my blog at chrishood.com and I have tons of information and tools and other resources there that you might find useful. But yeah, the good old Google, do a search, find what you want <laughs> and it's going to be out there somewhere. Chris, thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate this. Absolutely. For those of you listening, please do us a favor, leave a review. It really helps us to grow the show. And I hope I get to see you on the next one. Is your e-commerce growing so fast that you can't keep up with supporting your customers in real time? Serve them better in any time zone and language. They will thank you with higher conversion rates and repeat purchases. We build and manage your own dedicated customer experience team of live chat and support agents. Get started today. Visit ltvplus.com. That's ltvplus.com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.